Everyone, welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. We are here in Studio B, as I said last time. Uh, we got a few extra voices on the cast today, so we'll introduce those in a minute. Before we do that, I just want to remind everybody, first of all, thank everybody for joining us here on the show, and thanks for subscribing. If you haven't already, you can subscribe through uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or pretty much anywhere where you prefer to get your podcast. You can also join our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com slash groups slash timeshifters and join us there. And you can follow us on Twitter. Just go to at timeshifterspod and at movies at the mat. Now these extra voices I was telling you about. Of course I have Matt Flynn here with me. Matt, welcome. Hey. And uh, a couple other voices here. We'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Michael. Oh, and Sarah. Okay, Michael, Sarah, thank you for joining us. Now... The topic we're going to talk about here today, and I didn't even ask before we started recording if we had any news or anything we wanted to talk about before we get into the actual topic. So you want to do that first, maybe? Yeah, we've yeah. got a lot of news that okay. happened the last couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, always starting sad first, the passing of Margot Kidder. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things, like, you don't really... She's one of those actors that you don't tend to think about, and then when they pass, you're just sort of like, oh, oh man, yeah, that hurts. yeah. She's her career, honestly. Until Superman, I don't know anything. I don't know if I've seen her in anything else. I mean, she was Lois Lane right. for a lot of us as we grew up, because then uh, appearing with uh, Christopher Reeve and Superman. Uh, and then I know, I guess, really kind of after that is when her career kind of started winding down. She was having some uh, what is it, bipolar disorder? Yeah, yeah some, some mental, mental issues. health issues. But I was looking into it and. She never got out from under the shadow of Lois Lane. But sure. if you look at her IMDb, she appeared in something almost every year. Oh, really? She was working all the way up until the end. There are only a handful of years where she doesn't have a credit. And all of the other years, she's got two, three, four, sometimes five credits inside a year. Wow. So she just kept plugging away. Oh, that's fantastic. I, it's, she's one of those, I'll have to go back and actually try to watch some of her other films. Because like I said... Superman. That's what I know her from. And I don't know if I've seen her in anything else. I feel almost like I've slided her (laughs) by not doing so. I've seen her in a handful of things. It's always like side roles, supporting things. She was Mm -hmm. never the lead that she probably could have been. Sure, yeah. And I remember reading, too, that, you know, as as we were saying, she was suffering from some mental health issues. But she was very open about that. She she didn't hide it. She was very open. She did a lot. She spoke very openly about it and to to bring awareness to the the issues that she was suffering from and other mental health issues. And uh, I love it when, you know, a celebrity of someone... Of, of any stature can take something that they suffer from or struggle with and can spin it and try to do some good with it. Yeah. And I, I think that's fantastic of her. So, yeah, she'll, she'll be missed. Definitely. So the other news I had, something that we've talked about on and off, this, this news is excellent <laughs> because they have officially announced... That Bill and Ted Three will be happening. Yes, that's yes. right. Oh, I, I forgot that we that yeah, that happened just after we recorded. Yes, that's right. And we had talked about how it sounded like because they were saying like, oh, hold on, there'll be something kind of official soon. And then even before that, we were hearing rumors that scripts were being worked on, and you know, people from the first two were getting recruited, and Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves were on board. And so at cons, they said. Bill and Ted 3 is, is a go. <laughs> uh, 
I'm amazingly more excited for this than I really thought I would be. <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, is it going to happen? And then it gets announced, and you're like, yes, it's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like they've been talking about that for, for uh, almost a decade now. Yes. It's, and, and I'm going to wait until I see the first trailer. <laughs> I, I believe it's going to come out. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I think I was in Seattle at a ball game when you text me about it. <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's exciting news for sure. I think it'll be interesting to see Keanu Reeves, um, especially because, you know, recently he's been doing those John Wick movies, and just to go back to... Yes, you know, <laughs> his roots of the I, California surf boy. Exactly, exactly yeah. what I was going to... It'll be re- a lot of fun to see that. It is, that's exactly what I was going to say, is like with him being the action star now, to see him go back to be that, that, that goofball where he started from... That's going to be a lot of fun. I, and you wonder, you know, is he going to have fun with it? Is he going to go all the way back? Or is he going to be like, well, I'd like I'd like him to be a little older now and more mature. Or, you know, or is he really going to go all out and go, no, this is this is what I was. This is what I'm going to be. I listening to interviews uh, of Keanu talking about it. He said something along the lines um, that it's, I think it's uh, the kids, like he has he, him and um, Bill have kids, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they, they screw up something, and they have to go back and, uh, yeah, they have to fix that because the, their song didn't fix the world or something like that. Yeah, so they have to get back and fix something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what, what I was reading that it, it's you know it's them you know because they're married to the princesses and yeah. they have kids now and you know their kids are older and they still haven't written the song that's supposed to like bring oh, peace yes. and unite all the worlds and things like but that. But did we see the song at the end of Apparently World that's not the song. Not, that's not, supposed to just song. that was just the song that won them the contest. That wasn't mm-hmm. the song. Okay. And so it's all this time later and they're kind of like we haven't done it yet. We're supposed to like bring peace to the world and to the galaxy. We're screwing up. So they they decide to kind of find themselves by going through time again. So I just wonder, like, is it just going to be like this shout out to the old movies? Is it just going to be like, we need some inspiration? So great! So, <laughs> I'd be on board for that, but I still want to see like an original story too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't want it to be a sort of a recreated clip show, right. or Something. Yeah. yeah. But if you're going to do that, though, I mean, are a lot of those actors still even alive? So the the, the ones that did. Socrates you can get anybody to play Socrates. Yeah, I don't yeah. think anyone would mind. <laughs> Toga, yeah. Toga and a beard. It's pretty right. much what you need. Yeah, right. You know, they'll CGI George Carlin in as Rufus somewhere. Yeah. I have heard that uh, the guy that played Death, I heard Death was going to be back. Yeah. That'd be fine. Yeah. So. They'll keep beating him at board games. <laughs> <laughs> Two out of three. <laughs> <laughs> so the other news... Yeah, I came kind of news free. I don't, I don't really have That's anything okay. other than what you had mentioned, like the Margot Kidder. Oh, other than I just found out that their CBS is rebooting Magnum PI. <laughs> yeah. No mustache. With no mustache. No mustache. No mustache. I find it interesting that they can barely keep Hawaii Five O on the air from season to season, but they continue. Uh, their lineup is going to look the same as it did twenty, thirty years ago now because they've rebooted Hawaii Five O. They've rebooted MacGyver. And now they're rebooting Magnum P.I. <laughs> so it's like, you're going to be able to look, pick up a TV guide and see that listing and go, what year is this? <laughs> Didn't they reboot Knight Rider for a yes. hot minute, too? Yeah. 
That was NBC, I think. Oh, it was NBC, okay. I want to say it was NBC. Totally different. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's a big difference. I I just remembered that um, they got Val Kilmer to be the voice of Kit for that (laughs) one. I watched it. I I did watch it. It lasted like a season or (laughs) part of a season or something like that. And honestly, towards the very end, it was one of those wings things where they started midway kind of retooling it a little bit. And That's trying never to, a good sign. <laughs> well, this one, actually, it was going in the right direction. Okay. They tried really hard to pull it away from the old Knight Rider and the story about the, you know, them working for uh, the Knight Foundation and being the all this, and they took that away from it. And then towards the end, they started putting it back in. I was like, okay, now you're getting somewhere. Ah, uh, you're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it was... Um, it was stupid. No, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Magnum P.I. is, he starts working for a some rich dude, and then he, in his spare, as a bodyguard, right? Mm-hmm. And his spare time starts solving crimes or whatever? Apparently, well, the original, he was just a private detective that for some reason ran security for Robin Masters, this famous rich author guy. So it sounds like this is kind of... This new series is kind of doing the same thing, but apparently the books that Robin Masters are writing are based on Thomas Magnum's exploits, exaggerated versions thereof or something. Okay. And there's if you watch the trailers, there's lots of call-outs. He, of course, ends up... He starts out with a newer, fancy Ferrari convertible that gets trashed, so he needs a new car, so, he, of course, he ends up in the classic ferrari convertible that he had in the original magnum pi but by the end of the trailer that gets trashed robin uh you don't see robin masters but higgins is now a woman um they have tc and they have rick and so all the elements of the old show are kind of there but it honestly felt a little bit more like a ripoff of the new hawaii 50 because you got magnum being sort of the the uh mcgarrett who's just the jump first and ask questions later kind of thing and Rick is kind of like Hawaii Fizo Danny who sits there and just is sarcastic at him about what he's doing it's like well I feel like I've already seen this I watch Hawaii Fizo <laughs> I see this <laughs> but I I don't know well maybe I'll tune in I don't know I love the old Magnum PI I got a kick out of that old show so it's just Hollywood not wanting to take risks on anything I mean it's just Yes, what it is. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, that's just more of that. Um, that's why we have Netflix. That's yeah. why we have Hulu. <laughs> we have uh, Amazon to provide us uh, um, content that's uh, original. And yeah. Yeah, I kind of wonder studios when they decide to do these reboots of an old show is the the discussions that they have to have that, okay, how much do we want to keep the same? How much do we want to change? Because if you keep it too much the same, well, I'll just go watch the old one. So you got to make it different enough to try to get people involved and to, and to tune in. But you don't want to go so far that you alienate everyone that liked the old one that might be tuning in for that reason. That's got to be an incredibly difficult discussion. And it's a discussion you wonder why it's even worth it <laughs> to them. Because like I, like I said, the whole I-5-0, they struggle to keep that thing on the air. The ratings are always right on that bubble where it looks like it's going to go. And then they go, well, okay, we'll give them one more season. And then, all right, we'll give them just one more season. So it must be next to impossible to get the advertisers and the viewers. Well, I mean, Why would you try to do it for a third time? Well, the thing about that, though, too, is that they're still using an archaic system to, for ratings. Not that true. Mm. I mean, so, I mean, really, how many people are actually watching those things, um, to be honest? Yeah. 
they're not. Yeah, so. the advertising dollars. I don't. I don't know how they keep selling that. That oh yeah, advertisers. Yeah, you're you're going to be in the middle of this great show. I'm like they don't who, have a better. Who watches system? that commercial? They don't have a better system, and yeah. so that's how the you know ad, that's how it's gone for the last uh, 50, 60 years. So mm-hmm. it's. I can't tell you the last time I actually, you know, watched the commercial. Yeah, that's when you go to your phone. The commercials come on. You you pull well, up we in your phone. Well, we record everything, and, and so we zip skip. through it. Yeah, yeah. That's why you have the the, the product uh, integration into the, the the actual shows, and you'll you'll have the the one scene. <laughs> uh, I think I was watching uh, Modern Family or whatever, and they had the the scene where the you know they just pull away, and it's a Toyota, and they're like, "Oh, look at how fast this car can go," whatever. Uh, and yeah, and that's fine, and I'm okay with that a little bit as long as it's not. Uh, it either needs to be like really uh, flamboyant, and they're pointing out, and so it's kind of like they're winking at the the the, the, the audience, mm-hmm. or it needs to be like subtle. Uh, and I like it. Uh, yeah, well, it, it, I don't mind it. Yeah, Five O does that really well because all their stuff is uh, Microsoft Surface and Microsoft everything, and so they make a big point when they pull up that la- that little tablet that that screen is present and boop, and they can do all this stuff and. Yeah. And we're using Bing to search for things yeah, like exactly. no one does. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you yeah. guys aren't solving your yeah. crimes. <laughs> actually, Five O actually does it pretty well because they just use it as in the way that people would use this stuff. I remember going back, what was it? Uh, oh, it, we were uh, Fringe. Uh, oh, I love that show. Ford was sponsored, uh, yeah. sponsored Fringe. And so they'd get into their nice, shiny new Ford. And, of course, they'd have to actually name-check the navigation system and everything. And when they, well, let's put it into the blah-blah, they'd have to go through it. And it, was, it felt like a commercial. It was like the show stopped for two minutes while they talked about how great their, I don't even remember what it was called. <laughs> yeah, but it brought it back for another season, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Community with Subway. Yeah, it brought it back for one more season. Uh, you know, it, it's it's all good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it reminds me. Um, I used to watch the show Grimm. I was just going to mm. bring. That yeah, up. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I would have it on, and you would notice like characters. You know, oh, I have to call somebody, and they bring out their iPhone, mm-hmm. or you know. But no iPhone had a case yeah. on it. Oh, you see, because you had to see holding me. that Apple logo, like just holding it up right. Let me get on this. Yeah, I had to see that Apple logo, like. That, and nobody, nobody had a phone cover, mm-hmm. and you just wonder, like, how how do are these phones still in one piece with their screens <laughs> yes. cracked or whatever? And you know, or they bring out a tablet, you know, an iPad, and yeah, so Apple it was cl- Apple. Mm-hmm. it was clearly <laughs> sponsored by Apple. <laughs> I get so I start really picking up on that now when I watch shows. I watch to see how they either aren't sponsored and hide the fact that they're sitting there with Apple computers or they are and they have or whatever brand is the logo's very present I always like where they stick like a, you know there's a pear on the back of the laptop instead of yeah. an Apple yeah. or, or they just happen to place some sticker in the right place to cover up some logo or uh, they have post-it notes down in front of all the <laughs> monitors even though they look just like iMacs but they have post-it notes to cover up that little black Apple and it's I become very aware of the the marketing or the uh, we don't want to <laughs> it could be a fun drinking game <laughs> <laughs> so we got anything else so uh, just it was like a lot of other um, movies that have been confirmed or rumored mm-hmm. well, rumored from like the officials I guess but right. like among them were um, the solo um, Obi-Wan Kenobi movie sure wow. um, 
<laughs> Whatever. Um, apparently, Atomic Blonde two is going into production. Really? Why? I like Atomic. I like Blonde. that. I haven't watched it yet. I've got it at home to watch. I haven't. Ha- I haven't had a chance to watch it. It was just loud eighties music. Mm. I was down for that. <laughs> yeah. Just put on Pandora and Mad Max on mute. There you go. <laughs> and then. Um, they are going to. They are shooting for an October 2019 release date for Zombieland 2, which is oh, something I right. didn't even know they even wanted to work on. I didn't know anyone was interested in that. That just seems like that should have been just that one little, one movie. One movie. It's everyone. A great story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone had fun, and then we walk away. I, right. You can't do anything but ruin it. <laughs> you're not gonna make you're not gonna make it better. Or maybe because you know it, it's a comedy, and the thing about comedies is, I think if you strike while the iron's hot with a comedy, you realize, well, we told all of our best jokes, mm-hmm. but a ten year gap, maybe you've refilled the joke tank a little yeah, bit, maybe. and maybe something is there. Could go either way. Yeah, it, I, I guess that's one of those things we we shall see. We talked about it when we talked about like the Austin Powers, where they did one every couple years, right. and they just retold the same joke over and over mm-hmm. again. They just said Mike Myers is interested in making another Austin Powers. Yeah, but he's the only one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, no one else, he's no been one interested in Austin Powers I mean, four since Austin Powers three came out. I, I mean, I, I think the it. Shrek <laughs> movies are finally done. So what else is he gonna do? Uh, yeah. Isn't he doing like stuff for Netflix that no one's watching? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I know Adam Sandler is. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. It's just that, you know, after he did The Love Guru, that really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I married um, an axe murderer, too. That's what they need. That's it, yeah. That's what we need. <laughs> she didn't mind that movie. That movie was good. That, that was okay. Yeah, it had yeah. moments. Yeah. I mean, it was like that kind of surreal comedy mm-hmm. feel to it. Although I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe. I don't know if I heard anything official, but that him and Dana Carvey might want to do another Wayne's World. Yes, I, uh, Dana pass. Carvey actually. <laughs> Dana Carvey started showing back up on like the late night talk show circuits and stuff again. It's come. I felt like it was kind of the "I'm still alive, remember me" <laughs> uh, tour. So, well, he did have a lot of um, health issues. Did he? Um, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I forget. I think. I don't know if it was before or after Master of Disguise. <laughs> uh, um, was, that would have killed anybody. It was during yeah. or after. Yeah. Um, and I think he had a, a Netflix special. Just recently. Yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe that's so, what he was promoting. Maybe. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, again, kind of like Mike Myers, you know, what else is he doing? I so. always thought <laughs> that he would, like, come back as a serious actor or something, like, try to give that a trot, like uh, Jim Carrey or um, mm-hmm. Robin mm-hmm. Williams did, and... Yeah, you know, comedians tend to be like some of the best uh, dramatic actors. I think it's uh, they have a you know to do comedy. I think you, you have to have a, a, a bit of a range, and you have to have that dark um, dark part of you uh, to to make things funny. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, maybe. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd love to see that. I would just mm-hmm. any time an actor kind of steps out of that box that mm-hmm. everyone else has put him in, and. Uh, then they often surprise you. I mean, the first time you saw, you know, Robin Williams and drama together, did you go, what? No, <laughs> no I'm way. too young because uh, <laughs> Rob, <laughs> Robin Williams' drama is uh, early 80s, isn't it? Uh, Awakenings. Uh, oh, sure, like, yeah, sure, sure. That was probably one of the early society. ones. Yeah, that was yeah. yeah. late, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My first, like, distinct memory of someone doing that um, like going against their typical roles was Jim Carrey mm-hmm. when he did 
the Truman Show. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the first time he wasn't that wacky, like right. Jim Carrey, Fireman Bill, whatever. Yeah, Ace um, Ventura. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that was I. I love that movie mm-hmm. still, and I don't. Well, I don't know what he's doing nowadays, really. He's, he's, <laughs> he's got another movie that just came out. Oh. Yeah, Carrie. It's an, it's like Dark Minds or something yeah. like that. Oh. Hmm. Well, I don't yeah. know anything about that. He's got, I don't know. I saw. I just saw uh, a poster, and he's had a beard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know anything about the movie, but Jim Carrey's got a beard. That's uh. that's how you know he's serious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so the last bit of news is we just watched the trailer for the um, Freddie Mercury biopic Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, we got really excited about that, Sarah and I. Um, she's a massive fan of Queen and Freddie Mercury's. So, what did you think, being that that huge fan? Now, I I really um, liked the trailer when I first saw it, and um, I'm like cautiously optimistic. I think um, how do you say his name? Is it Remy? I think it's Remy Malik. Remy Malik. He looks just like Freddie Mercury, and mm-hmm. they got his teeth right and everything. <laughs> uh, you know, because those, um, you know, those British pop stars, you know, back then really didn't no. care about their teeth. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I'm excited about it. Um, I know there have been concerns with the trailer. Um, you know, even though it was pretty short, like what a minute and a half. Yeah, it's um, more of a teaser. Yeah, mm-hmm. a teaser. More of a um, flash of images. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Some people are concerned. Um, because they don't know if the film is going to um, be accurate about Freddie Mercury's, you know, queerness. Because um, there's, you know, you know, he's known as this gay icon, mm-hmm. and um, and there a lot of people feel that he was more bisexual than gay. So, but it's a big concern with some people. Um, especially since it seems that the movie is going to end right at Live Aid, the Live Aid concert. So before he got, um, you know, AIDS and everything, and people are concerned, like, is this a... Gloss it over. They're glossing over and not covering the AIDS crisis or anything. So Hmm. don't want to get too heavy. but (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. Now, this isn't the first, isn't it? Wasn't there something just recently was with... Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> I not... didn't know about that. That I'm, That's putting images in my head that's just not... Oh, it's to be totally wrong. I'm sorry. I, I no, thought there was some other... Some other um, I thought there had been other films prior to this or being worked on or maybe they were made for cable or maybe they didn't happen or they were just for Netflix or something like that but I, I could see a story like this being one of those things that different studios are racing towards knowing full well only one of us is going to make it mm-hmm. because we're not going to come out with two or three of the exact same story for something so particular Right? you're not going to have like three Freddie Mercury movies in a year you're just going to have one and so if you know so many problems happen. Are we going to get the right actor? Are we going to get the right writer? Are we going to tell the right story? Is the public going to want it? It seems like this, it, was it 21st Century Fox? Yeah. They're the ones that seem to have made it to the top of the mountain first and mm-hmm. probably made everybody else just duck out. Well, I mean, uh, from the trailer, and uh, I think it, it's going to be fun kinda, to kind of watch it. Um, I'm kind of excited for it because um, I like Queen. Uh, it doesn't bother me if they don't cover the whole story. I mean, hopefully that 
makes you want to go out and kind of uh, read more about what you know his life was. Uh, maybe that you know it opens up for other movies to you know kind of talk about that, even if it doesn't. Or you know it was a teaser trailer, so maybe we're going to see other you know aspects. Uh, I mean, this is trying to get you excited to go see the movie, and that's kind of what the trailer did. It yeah. made me excited to go see it. Uh, I'm not going to judge it until I actually see it, and then you can kind of complain about stuff that was may or may uh, not have been left out of the movie or his 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 life. So, um, and I'm I'm definitely happy that it's not Sasha Baron Cohen playing <laughs> Freddie Mercury, which yeah, was, was um, in talks for. I, I thought it was more official than a rumor that they were actually talking to him about it. Well, he's not there now. No. <laughs> I think that would have been a completely different movie. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this goes back to what Matt was saying, that there's a race. I'm, maybe that's what I was... I probably have names confused and, and mixed up because I couldn't find anything. I don't know where I got Freddie Prince Jr. out of all that. <laughs> but yeah, there was, I some think... I do dream. remember reading She's some articles where... queen. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember reading some, some news about studios with this race for a Queen biopic or a Freddie Mercury pick. And it was just a matter of which one actually gets off the ground. Maybe it was all racing in pre-production, right? Um, and this one actually managed to get through. I love the look of this, just because of the yeah. time that it, it all takes place. It just makes it so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not just um, they. You know, I think uh, Rami Malek looks like Freddie Mercury, and the other the other guys. I don't know who the other actors are, but they look like the other guys in the band. You know, mm-hmm. Brian May and Roger Taylor and. John Deacon. Yeah. It definitely helps if you don't have to take a leap of, uh, like, uh, the uh, you don't have to tighten the suspension of disbelief too much and say, okay, yeah, I'm sure you're Freddie Mercury. I mean, if you get someone that's like, oh my God, that's Freddie Mercury. It's a little bit like uh, you mentioned Val Kimmer earlier when he did, uh, when he was at the, the Doors movie. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's right. He definitely channeled um, Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison. Yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of freakish. You'd see some quick posters or shots and you didn't know which one you were looking at. Um, so that makes uh, you know whether the film turns out okay or not is another. You know. Or uh, what was that that movie um, with um, Gary Oldman playing Churchill? Uh, Darkest Hour. Darkest, Darkest, Darkest Hour. He became he, Churchill. He, he did not look like Gary Oldman at all. He looked right. like Winston Churchill, and he sounded like Winston Churchill. Mm, yeah. I know a lot of that was makeup, mm-hmm. but sure. But he had he, a lot of the mannerisms and just the mm-hmm. way he spoke. Yeah, that was a really good performance. But um, I was going to say, if for nothing else, because it doesn't sound as though they're going to have the actors do the singing, so they're no. you're going <laughs> to go to see that's... like an hour and a half, two hour movie. It's of a Queen's it's a music Queen concert. Yeah. yeah, you've got at least that. And that shot of, of you know of them at Live Aid, you know, yeah, that looked like if you go to YouTube and look up the Live Aid concert. Well, I wonder that... if they'll take some footage, actual yeah, footage, probably. and yeah. maybe remaster it, uh, mm-hmm. and or find a way to kind of. Excuse the grainy look or something like that. Uh, maybe work it earlier in the film where they, they're seen uh, whenever they do the concert. Maybe they, purpose, whether it's the actors or actual footage, they match it. You know, yeah. Either grainy it up or or, uh, or or remaster it and sharpen it up, and, and that would actually be really cool. Yeah, you often see that with like biopics. Like mm-hmm. they, they often show the actual footage and then they'll mm-hmm. kind of bring it into like the actors and kind of match them into it, but. Uh, or you know, uh, I and I don't mind that at all. I mean, you know, going into it, that you know, this is uh, 
history or it's a story about a historical fig- figure or a pop cultural figure, uh, whatnot. Um, and so you can suspend your belief, you know, that this is not, this is the actual thing. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and this may be the first of just many. I mean, we did, well, they seem to space them out. We did a little bit with Morris and the Doors, and now we're getting Queen and, and Freddie Mercury, and there's been talk of a, a Janis Joplin biopic for years. Mm-hmm. And the next big one. Whether that materializes. Yeah. The next big one I want to see would be David Bowie. Yeah. Bowie, yeah. yeah I think that's absolutely. probably we were, writing on that. We were talking about the other day, like, who would you cast? As David Bowie. I'm surprised there hasn't been a Michael David Jackson. Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring him back. Just bring him back. David, we know you're busy being yeah. dead and all. <laughs> just, just, Carrie, just Carrie Fisher. But, uh... but I think I think with um, well, you mentioned Michael Jackson. I didn't they do a, a didn't BBC or someone in England do it like a made for TV movie? And there Probably. was this controversy because it was a white guy. Oh yeah! Whoa, I didn't hear about oh. that. Yes, that was like last year. Yeah, I don't oh. remember the details. Uh-huh. Damn you, British! <laughs> I forgot all about that. <laughs> Blackfaced somebody to do Michael Jackson? I I don't know if it was a later in life. Well, it would. I guess it would have had to have been when he oh, was much his paler, skin bleached. Yeah. So you yeah, either have so. to blackface a white guy or a white face a black guy. Either way, <laughs> let's not make that movie. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you need to go back to his younger, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Find some cute little Donald kid. Donald Glover yeah. as Michael Jackson in his early times. Yeah. Donald Glover is just about anything right now. Yeah, right I'm now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Aren't they already talking about him doing a Lando spin-off yeah. and Solo hasn't come out yet? Yeah. But no, yeah, Donald Glover just about anything. It could be a movie about Mother Teresa. I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> you can do anything. No, but David Bowie, I thought um, if they were to do a, a movie about him, I, the first actor I could think of was maybe Tom Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. I, I, not that I'm like 100% sold on that. I was just trying to think of somebody. I'd, I'd rather see like some unknown, some unknown. A- actor yeah. try to take him on. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, you're, if you get somebody too big, uh, you're be thinking it's somebody, yeah. Tom Cruise playing David Bowie, you know, something like that. And you're just like, I'm just seeing that that actor right. playing. Um, right, it's like yeah. the opposite of what we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because Remy Malik isn't that known an He's actor. He's not a name I'm familiar right. with. Right. Yeah. He's gotten popular with Mr. Robot. But if Mr. you look Robot, at his yeah. filmography, you're just sort of like... Okay, like he's not in that many big things, or only only has a small part in them. So it's like they kind of found that balance of just sort of like he's getting big, and maybe this will be that huge propulsion for his career. And I've seen him on Mr. Robot, and I, I really enjoy. He's his. a good he's actor, great. Good. yeah. Um, good at the serious stuff. So it, it'll be fun. It'll be a neat. Uh, it'll be neat to watch anyway. Like I said, just because of the time period, and obviously, it's not going to be faithful. I'm sure they'll. Right. You know, yeah, you have to take some liberties. They'll have to take some liberties, and you know, there's, I'm sure there's lots of meetings where no one, you know, there was no cameras or microphones, and no one's alive or right. weren't in the meeting. They had to guess what happened, kind of thing. But that's the case of any any biopic, any kind of historical uh, drama of, of any kind. So it'll be fun, though. One and question, like I said, good music. <laughs> one question I had about the the. the Queen and, and just general the, the trailer or whatever it's Bohemian Rhapsody and that didn't really become a thing that I knew until Wayne's World 
And that I'm like, was it really that big of a song before Wayne's World? Or because I, I know so many other Queen songs that I hear on the radio, or uh, that I'm, I'm like, oh, that's Queen. That's I never really hear Bohemian Rhapsody uh, when I'm listening to you know the radio. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's hard to say because you know, well, you know, we would have Matt, you and I would have been in elementary school when Wayne's World came out, and. Um, Obviously, we weren't alive you when, um, <laughs> when the original song came out. I know my parents had the album Night at the Opera on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for me, I feel I can answer that saying it is a big song, regardless of Wayne's World, because I didn't watch Wayne's World growing up. What's wrong with you? I didn't find it funny. My <laughs> sister was into it, so I actually didn't know that song was in that movie until like 10 years ago. And I was very much into that song at that point. Now, it's possible I got into it because other people were playing it because of Wayne's World. But I heard it and went, holy crap, this song's amazing. I actually, the first time I remember um, uh, seeing the video for Bohemian Rhapsody um, was before I saw Wayne's World. It was on Papa Video, <laughs> which used <laughs> okay. to be on VH1. It's a very old thing to say. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of the uh, the Muppet version of the, the yes. city, and that's uh, my favorite version. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that song. We actually had that song close out our wedding. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which was great, because no one danced. We just sang. Okay. See, I'm a, a little bit older than, than you guys, and I grew up listening. WEBN was the radio station of choice in the car back you know, through when I was growing up through the 70s and the 80s, so... Yes, I knew Bohemian Rhapsody before Wayne's World. But I, I, as far as was it like the song everyone went to, I, I, I don't know. But I certainly knew of it before Wayne's World kind of popularized it again, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, like Matt was saying, it doesn't matter whether it was popular then. It's now known and it's kind of like one of the signature Queen songs. So why wouldn't you call the film that? Right. Right. Because even something like, I don't know, it if you were to call it like we will rock you or something yeah. that's not i feel like it's that would be even like a more generic kind of title like you're not yeah. going to automatically that, think of queen that's what it would be called if it was on public broadcast yeah. <laughs> no i mean there's something artistic in, and 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 uh, rhapsody yeah. really kind of probably fits what his life was and so mm-hmm. I, I think that's why yeah. they, they oh, choose yeah, that absolutely. for sure um, but in the trailer, you do see the, the them, you know, uh, uh, or you see the, the um, Freddie Mercury kind of organizing. Yeah, and then there's going to be an operatic part, and that's what it comes mm-hmm. in. And so they kind of really centered around uh, that song, th- th- that mm-hmm. song, and it was like, okay, well, is that the, the the quintessential Queen song, or is it just because it's the movie title and both? Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So yeah, that's all I got now. All right, very good. All right, well, wow. The news segment went on a lot longer than I was expecting. It was pretty awesome, actually. We had good stuff to talk about. Now, the reason we all got together and the reason we brought in a few other voices is, unfortunately, the person that's not here today that was going to be uh, brought up something in the uh, in the group discussions on Facebook about whether or not we wanted to talk about um, things that have been uh, books con- uh, adapted to film. Yeah. And it was something, it was a great topic. I love the idea of the topic, but it's not something that I can speak to with a huge amount of authority. 
And so I didn't think it was something that just two people sitting in a room should, should really discuss. So we th thought we'd bring in a few other voices, some other people that are probably maybe a little bit more into the books versus the movies. And we've got a couple of voices here that are more into the movies than the books. And so we, that's why we brought in uh, Michael and Sarah here. And um, so, yeah, so that's going to be the, the discussion today. Uh, I tell you what, before we get into that, I almost forgot we should take a break here and uh, play a little promo for another show. And then when we be back, we'll, we'll dive right into this. Flash Pulp Podcast. Three to ten minutes of fiction brought to you thrice weekly. Now it's three, three, three apocalypses in one. Yeah! Suffering from tough, stuck-on humans? Well, twenty hellish hours of suffocation in the all-encompassing web of Carwick the Spider God will get them right out. Too many brains lying around? The ravenous mouths surrounding zombie-fighting Ruby will quickly clean those up. Nosy neighbors, infect them with the murder plague, and watch as they dissolve into paranoid maniacs bent on the preemptive assassination of their friends and family. Why stop at one end of the world when you can have all three? You can find them all at flashpulp.com or search for them on iTunes. Okay, we are back. So yeah, books to films. And this is something, like I said, I couldn't speak with a huge amount of authority. I have read uh, you know, some books that had been turned into movies. Uh, mainly I've gone, I've seen the movie and then I decided, I think I'll go back and, and read that book and see what it was like. And, um, and usually, as in most cases, I enjoy the book more than the films. But there's a few instances where I think, no, the movie was better yeah or or it just it needed this uh, you know the adapting or whatever to try to trim out some of the fat that i thought the book kind of just went on too long about or something like that so it, it's an interesting discussion so let's talk to figure out where we're at here michael where do you kind of sit are you more of the book or more of the film or somewhere in between or um i'm more of the book uh, yeah, I, 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 or in between but yeah I would say that I, I rather enjoy when I'm reading a book. You you see a lot of the, the things, and um, uh, you you get a lot of insights on that. You know what the characters actually uh, thinking about, and that actually kind of drives uh, a lot of uh, either the story. Um, uh, where you watching an, an adaptation of the that book, you kind of miss that, and you have to kind of just either. You have to use other kind of plot devices in a movie to try to describe that, and a lot of times it's just missed completely, um, or they just you know don't um, they don't pay attention to that at all because it's too difficult to um, put on screen, and that's kind of like what a lot of times when you're reading a book, that's what 
the that's what dra- dra- made the book so great is that you know the inner monologue of the either the narrator or the character or uh, whatnot. And uh, so yeah, Excellent. Sarah, what about you? Where do you fall? Um, I would say I'm more of in the book um, side of things. Um, I um, you know I'm a librarian and I I work with books every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> But even before that, um, you know, I would, you know, read books more often than I'd see the movies. Um, but um, I do like to see movie adaptations of books. Um, I remember when I was in high school, that's when the the Harry Potter um, adaptations started coming out. Um, so I remember being excited about those. And also around that time was when the, the Lord of the Rings movies were coming mm-hmm. out. And I, you know, I was aware of Lord of the Rings um, and The Hobbit before that, but I had never read them. So, you know, the movies coming out actually led me to the books um, in that case. Um, But yeah, I just, you know, I just prefer, you know, I guess reading the books because I have more control, I guess, over, you know, how, you know, of you know, the visualizations, um, you know, in my head, obviously, um, it's my own interpretation of, you know, the words on the page, Mm -hmm. but it is neat, um, to see the film too, just to see, oh, this is someone else's interpretation and you can, um, watch it with other people at the same time. And you're kind of having this shared experience, which isn't to say you can't have that with a book either, but Matt, would you fall? Would you consider yourself in the middle, or are you more in the film? I'm probably more in the film because I'm borderline illiterate. <laughs> and I don't read enough. Uh, I wish I did. I think uh, part of the reason for that for me is, you know, I'm the kind of person that if if a movie's coming out and it's based on a very famous or popular book, I don't run and read the book first because mm. then I feel like, well, I've spoiled a lot of the movie, mm. or I'm going to see something that I know isn't good enough. Kind of like what you were saying, Michael. There's so much more you can do. Because really, if you look at a book, that would be like a five-hour movie if you were to adapt the whole thing word for word, page for page. Right. You're not going to condense that down to what yeah. an audience is willing to watch. And so I've been saying for a while that books should become TV shows nowadays. There's so much more that we can do at TV. And some of the most popular TV shows are based on books, like a Game of Thrones. That's mm-hmm. a book series like one book is a season and I think that's something that you should do more of and that you should look at short stories and turn those into movies because you have an idea there you have a concept there it's a lot quicker and then you can add to it because a short story is not going to be long enough for a movie that's just sort of my opinion on mm-hmm. like how the whole thing like where Hollywood should be looking to like stop looking at like a you know a 400 page novel go look at you know a 50-page short story or 20-page short story. I agree with you. I think that there are plenty of uh, books out there that should be either one or seven movies um, or, uh, as you say, a television series. But there are plenty of still still books or novellas that uh, you can probably reduce a lot uh, and make a movie. Um, You know, a good example of that, the book I hate the the most is uh, Moby Dick. (laughs) <laughs> that did not. That book is the worst. Uh, ADD. I can't say it. It's enough a bit bad, of a slog. It it's, is. I, I, Herman Melville can kiss my <laughs> bottom. Uh, kiss your Moby Dick. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you 
You'll but, have you know, learn all about whaling and everything. You know, it, he, he's, he, it was it was like ADD on steroids where he was just like, okay, now we're going to talk about this type of hook for, uh, this harpoon for 11 pages. And this is how you tie a knot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that. If you get uh, the, those kinds of uh, books like that, you can really reduce down to what, you know, the, the, the 70 pages of actual plot uh, of that that, that mm-hmm. and, and turn it into a movie. Um, so there, there are cases of, uh, of that. And just kind of looking at uh, how many books have turned into movies and you don't even realize that they were books first, yeah. uh, it's crazy amount. I mean, so you can do it. Um, uh, I, I kind of agree, though. It, um, you know, our, our series of books should be movie, uh, for, should be television series. Um, yeah. Would anyone be curious? I, I did a couple of some digging, and um, I found some some links to what would be considered the most successful uh, adaptations. Mm-hmm. Sure, you'd be interested in hearing. Uh, number one is really no surprise would be the Harry Potter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, what was it? Uh, let's see. Seven books are adapted into eight movies, which went on to earn seven point seventy two billion dollars worldwide. So yeah, they did a pretty good job. Uh, this yeah. this list is from a go from a website called uh, Go Ranking Rates. So take it, it is on the internet. So take it all with a grain <laughs> of salt, I suppose. Uh, coming in uh, number two, surprisingly, this kind of shocked me was the Twilight series. That doesn't surprise. It me. doesn't. No, it doesn't surprise <laughs> me. Riding the coattails of yeah yeah. Uh, Three point thirty four billion dollars global box office there. So yeah, uh, shiny vampires. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hunger Games comes in at number three. Yeah, we were just talking about that just before we started recording, and I was saying that you know I, I haven't read the book series. I, I've heard good things, uh, you know, strong female protagonists. That's great, but the movies, each one got progressively worse. Mm-hmm. I read the first book uh, at some point. <laughs> I think just because these things were becoming a big hit, whatever. Like I'm curious, so I, I went and like read the first novel, or at least most of it. I remember reading it. <laughs> reading something about it, or reading it. So, I, But as far as I couldn't really tell you any... I, it's completely left my brain now. <laughs> you know, I remember certain bits and pieces, but I don't... couldn't put it together. Yeah, I'm sort of... I mean, I, I liked the books. I read all three of them, and um, I remember when the last one came out, and there was all this excitement and build-up, and I liked it, but now looking back, I can't remember every single yeah, thing of how that was different from the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like Matt said, I was kind of I kind of felt the same way that the movies just kind of got worse. As... Gotcha. <laughs> and that didn't that last book come out while the movies were happening? I don't remember. It was uh... like, did the first movie just come out? I... That sounds. I think the last book was coming out uh, right it's like the movie was happening yeah, I don't yeah. remember the exact I, timeline for I that. wonder if that's like a case of it kind of collapsed under its own weight of like mm. you probably should have waited for this book series to finish if you wanted like to not have that like I think the hype was so high like it's being turned into a movie and here's the last book and oh yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> well I mean Harry Potter was kind of the same way I mean mm. I don't think the the last uh Harry Potter book had come out before the first movie had come no. out. I'm not saying that's like true across the board, but in this instance, well, I think, I think the it's the the, the, the movies. Uh, so it, you can take even uh, uh, the Game of Thrones kind of uh, uh, Song of Fire and Ice kind of series, and kind of it's fault. You know, it, all the books if they're coming out before 
as the movies are coming out, they they do tend to uh, affect each other. Uh, I would say Harry Potter definitely uh, was affected by all the popularity and all the sure how the the movies were being written. I think that the books ended up being written like. They're ready to be a movie or whatnot. Written yeah. more like screenplays instead yeah. of novels. Yep. Yep. Sure. Yeah. What, uh, 500 pages isn't for kids? What? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, um, I think the first Harry Potter movie came out in 2001, and the last Harry Potter book came out in 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the last, like the, the Deathly Hallows, I'm not counting... Um, All those other things. Like Cursed Child or, or right, you yeah. know, any of that stuff. Uh, Lord of the Rings comes in at number four. See, I'm actually surprised shock, that didn't shock. rank a little higher on the list. I thought that would have been... I thought that would have been than... above Hunger Games, honestly. Yeah. That's bad Maybe Flint's fault. Because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't Maybe. see it. <laughs> Maybe because they didn't split the last one into two movies. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. But we have those extended editions. That... You know, those five-hour No, movies. no, it, it, they, 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 have, they split The Hobbit into three movies. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the shortest book. <laughs> Speaking of bad adaptations, <laughs> the Hobbit that should you know, oh. I, I that should have just been um, not made. No, yeah, that, not made. <laughs> no, that seventies cartoon. I, I was just gonna say that old Rankin Bass, uh-huh. you know, animated movie was probably a much or, better adaptation than, or just everybody's memory of the Rankin Bass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Look at it not move. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Divergent series comes in at number five. I don't know anything about that movie or I, book. I read, the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I read the first two books. I haven't read the third and final one yet because I heard a lot of mixed things about it. And they were fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I saw the first movie and it was fine. I liked the soundtrack more than anything, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like kind of a, yeah, another YA dystopian mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, number six. Mm. It's a movie uh, I really would like to see. Yeah, I could it's, see you like it. It's a good movie. Well, oh. there's a couple of them. Didn't read right. the book, you got to so. pick the right one. Both. <laughs> <laughs> Although, really quick to go back to Divergent. Divergent made a mistake, that series, with... Um, the first one did quite well, um, and then the second one did pretty well, too, Insurgent. And they had the bright idea, we're going to take the last book, Allegiant, and we're going to split it up into two movies, just just like they did with Hunger Games and uh, Harry Potter and, and Twilight. The thing is, the third movie bombed. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I, yeah, they still haven't made um, that fourth and final one. There were talks of um, having it like be on just like made for TV, which is. I thought that the last one was made for TV. They uh, they haven't. <laughs> yeah, they, I meant like the third one. <laughs> I don't, I, what, I don't remember even coming Yeah, it was out. called Ascendant, and they were going... No, um, Allegiant, and then they were going to make a fourth movie called Ascendant. And my big fear working in the library was that we were going to have library patrons coming in asking, oh, we want the book for Ascendant. There is no book for right. Ascendant. It's just Allegiant split up. What but, movie started that trend of, I, let's split the last book? Potter. Was it Harry Potter? Probably so. Harry Potter, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. What's sad, though, is to think that there are plenty of people out there who are, like, living and dying by every rumor about this fourth movie that won't get made. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still got... Uh, earlier this year, I got a request for that movie. 
and I had it to, doesn't exist. I had to contact <laughs> them and say this doesn't exist yet. It may never exist. <laughs> I, I still, I'm still not over the last Harry Potter movie being split up. They, they took the most boring, camping and complaining book and uh, <laughs> split it into two movies. And it was, uh, the, the thing that I found surprising is the I watched those two Harry Potter movies and I thought the first part was really good. I thought that was where there was like more excitement because there was actually like action and running and like there were stakes and there was danger and you know they had a whole like one ring thing going on where it was turning Ron against them. And then I thought the second one was just a lot of walking and talking and yeah, you were like finishing it up and showing that last battle that I don't think paid off because it was just all hype and built up and yet every person that like I follow on Twitter and whatnot says the opposite they think the first movie's terrible and the second one is great and I'm like nothing happens in it. it's so <laughs> boring I tapped out of the Harry Potters after like movie two <laughs> that's the Chris Columbus uh, effect yeah yeah <laughs> who incidentally has had a good career but I will ever be I hate I hated by me because of that first two Harry Potter movies, so okay. yeah. But um, take that, Chris Columbus. So what was? <laughs> God, no. What was um, after? Um, um, after that on the yeah, list. On the list. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. And then we uh, get into the Godfather comes in at number seven, which I forget was based on a book. <laughs> and that's actually the uh, they only give a, the top seven. They ended with the Godfather on this. On this particular list, honorable mentions go to Silence of the Lambs, uh, Schindler's List, Gone with the Wind, The Da Vinci Code, and Jurassic Park. So mm. I think you can use those to round out to kind of like the top okay. ten and, and etc. I'm surprised. Um, I mean, I don't know how much it would have made with inflation and everything that uh, Wizard of Oz isn't on there. Wow, true. Yeah. I think uh, that list needed to be tweaked to individual movies because once you throw right, a franchise, franchise in, hey, we're up to seven, eight movies. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to make more than a lot, you know, than any single movie did. Yeah, that's true. I'd love to know what an individual movie based on an individual book did. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite movie ad- adaptation? Do I have to have read the book too? Uh, no. Uh, then Jaws. Jaws. Okay. Jaws is amazing. Jaws is an amazing film. Yes. Which, I haven't read the book, but I've read up on the book. Um, They're nothing alike. It's essentially the names of the characters, the names of the town, there's a great white shark. That's about it. That's all they really have in common. So then what's uh, the opposite, a book that you read that you really like the movie? Um, Let me look at the list I have. And I'm going to ask Sarah then. Okay. Yeah, don't ask me, because I don't know if I can... I don't know if I can... uh... I have a tie. Uh, it is a tie between Fight Club okay. and To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. Oh, interesting. Because I... I, I Going for the classic. Though. Yeah, I, I love both book and movie. I can't pick which one's better. I, I have highs and lows for both. Um, like, for Fight Club, I actually like the ending in the book more than I did in the movie, and yet Chuck Palahniuk, the author, likes the ending of the movie than the one he wrote in the book. So things like that. For To Kill a Mockingbird, I think that that novel is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the movie is perfect. And I, you know, you get to a point, because like you had brought up, Michael, like there are some versions of movies that you had no idea it was based on a book. Yeah. And you get to this point where like some stories, 
there is a definitive version. Like, if you think of, like, The Wizard of Oz, most people would probably say the movie is the definitive version of that story, even though it's very different. Or, like, for me, I think uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is mm-hmm. the definitive version of that, out, you know, more than Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the book. But if you get to, to Kill a Mockingbird, I think they're right there with each other, which is the definitive version of that story. Most people would say the book, but I'm there like, hold on, Gregory Peck's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think one another one that's, that's really the case where the movie is the definitive version um, is Frankenstein, probably. Um, which young Frankenstein? Oh, I pres- I'm young Frankenstein. <laughs> yes, young Frankenstein. No, I'm referring specifically to the old Universal 1930s Boris Karloff. Okay, interesting. Frank, because... Uh, when you hear like Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster, even if you don't are never saw the Universal movie or um, or anything, you think of the kind of green monster with the flat top head mm-hmm. and the bolts in the neck, sure. and that's from that movie. Mm-hmm. It's not um, that's not the Mary Shelley book. No, and it, and it's a very different story. Yes. than the Mary Shelley book too. That's why it surprised me that you you said it. But you're right. It's it's what people go to. People don't go to what's described in the book, which the, what's described in the book is horrific and has yet to have actually been truly uh, portrayed and, on film that I've seen. And the so. monster in the the book is very eloquent. You know, yeah. he, you know, whereas in the movie he just kind of speaks in grunts and. I, that's yeah. one that I've, I'm still waiting for, like a. A good adaptation, where it's kind of more faithful to the original book, both in appearance and the intelligence of the creature, and and what goes on throughout the the novel. I'm still waiting for that. I think they tried. There's been a yeah, bunch didn't they of try films. With, was it De Niro? De Niro as the monster. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It has its moments because yeah. he actually does. Like I, I really like the sequence in that when he's like hiding in in the in the cabin and he's talking to the blind father and things like that 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 was like one of the few good parts of that movie hmm. what was that newer movie with um uh oh mcavoy and was it daniel radcliffe, daniel radcliffe. yeah that one's yeah. not a good movie yeah. <laughs> oh i did see that what was yeah. it called i i no not i frankenstein that was that other one yeah mm-hmm. I think it was just called Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, and because I remember, because Daniel Ratcliffe played Igor. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there were people online who were complaining, like, that's not what Igor's supposed to look like. You know, if you go by the original book, like, Igor was not in the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the book. And again, yeah. that that comes to, like, the definitive version. That like, goes it's back not to the, the book. That goes back to the Universal movie. Right. Yeah. Igor with the hump. Yes, the, master. <laughs> not even the, the first Universal movie. Because uh, oh, uh, right. Fritz, I think, in the, oh, okay. in the first movie. I don't so, think we yeah. get an Igor until, is it Bride? Or might even one after that. He's definitely in Young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Igor. <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> So yeah, um, going back to to Jaws though, because I, I don't know, has anyone here read the book? Jaws? I have not. I've not. So here are just some interesting things. You, you're familiar with the movie, like you, oh, absolutely. you've probably seen it like 20 times, right? So in the movie, it's this very simple explanation of oh, we're not closing the beach because the mayor doesn't want to lose like you know revenue, all, right? Which makes sense. You can understand that. Bad call, but you get it. Mm-hmm. In the book, it's because the mafia. Owns a lot of property on the island, and they don't want profits to go down, and so they're strong arming the mayor. That's different. Yeah. <laughs> in in the movie, um, 
you know, you get uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character who comes in as like the shark expert, and that's it. He's just someone who got called in, and he's gonna you know have his expertise. In the book, um, his brother knew the sheriff's wife, and he ends up having an affair with the sheriff's wife because, of course. Right, because yeah, sex sells. Yeah. So it be, and and then you've got you've got the sheriff who ends up being really jealous, and they have a fight out on the boat. But when they're out on the boat, they always come back at night. Like they go out for the day, they come back at night. They go out for the day, they come back at night. Whereas in the movie, they stay out there, and they're kind of on their own, their own little island called mm-hmm. you know Orca the boat. So at the end of it, like a lot of reviewers and Steven Spielberg himself said. The person, you, the one you cheered the most for in the book is the shark, because everyone else is a terrible Everyone's human horrible. being. Right? Wife's having an affair. Quint is a dr- he's like the one person who didn't change from book to movie. <laughs> he's the psycho who just wants to kill a big shark. But everyone else is 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 just incredibly different and a terrible human being. And and oh, and the shark doesn't get blown up in the book. It just gets harpooned a lot, and it's heading for the sheriff. the The boat has sank, and then it succumbs to its wounds and dies. And he's the only one that lives. And then he just swims back to shore. End of book. And so Spielberg was like, I don't want that to be my movie. I want us to cheer for the people, and I want something. And then I think it was the author of the book who said, you do know if you shoot an oxygen tank, it's not going to blow up, right? (laughs) And then he said, look, if this movie is going the way I have it in my head, you won't care that that doesn't happen. You'll be cheering. (laughs) And sure enough, everyone cheers when that damn shark gets blown up. Yeah, well, they obviously made the right choices on that one. I mean, because yeah, any anything that you just mentioned right there, you'd be watching the film and going, Ugh. right? You know, it, it would slow it down so much. Yeah. So they made he definitely made the right choice. Cut out all the parts one. you don't need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trim the fat. I would say that my favorite adaptation would be Lord of the Rings. That's my favorite movie. I guess said I consider them all one uh, movie. Uh, really long movie that Matt hates. <laughs> um, I don't hate it. I'm bored by it. I, I, yeah, okay. Close-ups of faces. I gotcha. <laughs> um, uh, other than that, though, my favorite uh, uh, adaptation would be Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, oh, oh, yes. Yes. That was my... You, you just, stole it! <laughs> you're, well, uh, yeah, well uh, we can talk about it. It's, it's good. I, I, mm-hmm. I, that book with, with, uh, is so hard to adapt mm-hmm. because yeah. of the visuals, and I think we now have the visuals. Uh, and then you have um, uh, Martin Freeman, who plays uh, the main character, and it, it just kind of all really worked out well. And even though that wasn't necessarily true to the, the story, and they kind of tried to put on a lot of stuff from uh, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish and yeah. Mostly Harmless and all of the books, they try to kind of throw a lot of the gags from that. Mm-hmm. I, I I was very happy with it. Um, I, I, it's something that I go back and watch time and time again. So. Yeah. that's it, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is one of my favorite well, series of books, the whole... Yeah. You know, I group them all together. Just right. When I say Hitchhikers, I mean kind of like the whole three main books. Yeah. Um... The last one mostly harm or Zaphod plays it safe or whatever. Yeah, know, I, had, I don't whatever, think I've actually you know. read that one though. Yeah, it, yeah, they keep tagging on these like short stories, stories. to the end and trying to resell the book or something. But anyway, the first three books, all hitchhikers, I, I love them. Yeah, it's been I've read it a few times. It's been a long time. I've been thinking about going back and rereading it again just because it's been so long. And I can't mm-hmm. wait till my son just gets a, a little bit older so I can like share it with him. But uh, I, I kind of take 
all the adaptations that have been done and kind of lump them together. And yeah. like, if you just kind of take them all and smush them together, you get this really great. You can just kind of cherry pick what you like from each one. Yeah. Um, there, there's been the the TV series. There's been the radio dramas, dramas, whatever radio shows, yeah, radio shows, and then and then the film, and you know you just kind of can cherry pick a little bit and, and bring it all together and think, okay, in that somewhere, there's a really fun adaptation. And I think it, it started off as a radio show, then became a book, then became a TV show, then became a movie, right? So is that how it went? Uh, I won't disagree with you. Because I thought it was, it was a radio show first, and then he wrote them down and, and put it into a book form. It wouldn't and, surprise and me. So, and, but yeah, Douglas Adams is one of my favorite uh, authors. Uh, you know, uh, what's his other series? Uh, the, the, the Detective. Dirt uh, Gently. Dirt Gently, which uh, with uh, Elijah Wood was uh, actually, I really liked it, although it got canceled, jerks. Um, <laughs> I, I really like that 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 uh, holistic uh, detective um, series, um, but like authors like them, so like Terry Pratchett, like all his Discworld movies that kind of were made, they're pretty good. Uh, or like you know Neil Gaiman is like the next thing I I, I want to say, and I can't wait to see more of his works be adapted. So mm-hmm. yeah, some of these authors I think like you were you, you kind of hinted at is you have to wait for technology. To catch up, to, yeah. to catch up to, in order to create the visuals that are described, you know, in the uh, in in the books. I, I, yeah, there has been attempts sometimes, uh, an unfortunate attempts because yeah. you couldn't do it, and you end up something that's really corny. Yeah, like I, the oh, I was gonna say, like the first um, it was made for TV, like the first Wrinkle in Time adaptation. The first thing yeah. I thought. Of, <laughs> yeah. Although uh, you guys Which saw the, those the, effects were god awful. The latest one, I thought you guys. It wasn't. That wasn't, that wasn't good either. That wasn't good either. So. No. I appreciated it more than Matt did. I'm glad it exists. Um, I'm not. <laughs> um, because I, I, you know, I've read responses online from, um, you know, from parents who said their kids loved it, and mm-hmm. especially, um, you know, little girls who loved it and little girls of color who loved it. So I'm happy it exists for that. And I thought a lot of the visuals in the movie were beautiful. Um, but yeah, the story kind of, um, it, 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 something was missing, I felt. And so it's one of those things, too, is like it, 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 it exists. And hopefully, you know, those same children go, hey, I really want to go read the book. Right. Kind of like what you're oh. talking about with like Lord of the Rings. Right. Where it's like, okay, let's go actually see what this was based off of. And it gets them reading, which is uh, oh, a good thing. In our in our library system, we we couldn't keep the book on the shelf. It had you know we have four branches. They were all checked out. It had you know, I think like ten, eleven, twelve people on hold for it. Mm. So it certainly brought back attention to the book, which made me happy. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's going to be one of those movies, though, that when those kids grow up. And they're like, oh, I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. And they'll watch it and they'll be like, why the hell did I like this? <laughs> or it could be, you know, we mean, you know, it could be like what movies like The Never Ending Story or. That movie's a masterpiece. Okay. Like anybody who, who disagrees. Which is also based yeah. on a book which I did not read. Yeah. <laughs> I. That's a movie that in, in your memory. You know, it was great, and it's still, right. no. still great. No, still great. No, I have, I'll see it at the flagpole. Too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too many issues with that thing. Uh, watching it now. Yeah, but um, what what book would 
which you'd want to see uh, be turned into a movie. That, I was going to ask that, and I've thought about this, and I've just looked real quick to make sure that it wasn't, and I can't find anything that says that it, it was. Um, it's a three-book series. Um, uh, Wayside School is Falling Down. From the author that wrote Holes. Okay. Oh, um, okay. And I would love to see that turned into like you know like for the whole family mm-hmm. kind of thing because mm-hmm. it's it's this idea of it's a school that um, was supposed to have thirty classrooms side by side and something went wrong with the blueprints and so the thirty classrooms got built one on top of each other so it's a skyscraper of a school and each class is each each level is a different class but of course when they built the building they forgot to put in the nineteenth floor so it goes from eighteen to twenty. And as you're reading the book, it's, so it's a 30-floor uh, school, so it's a 30-chapter book. And you get to the 19th chapter, and it just says, there is no 19th story. Because the 19th story was supposed to have Miss Sarves. There is no 19th story. There is no Miss Sarves. Sorry. That's the whole chapter. Turn the page. <laughs> it's this really funny thing. And so each chapter is about each kid in the class. And you're learning a little bit about them. And like there's this one kid. Because like the, the teacher of the class, um, her, the things she hates the most in life are wet, dead rats. She hates them. So there's Can't this, say I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's this one kid, he's this new transfer, and he's in all of these raincoats. And so she's making him take his raincoats off, and he's got like 20 of them on. And every time he takes them off, there's this foul odor that's like getting stronger and stronger. And he just keeps laughing, and she keeps pulling off his raincoats until finally he's a wet, dead rat. That's what was under there the whole time. All right. And she's just like, oh, I hate how they're always sneaking into my class. And she throws it out. And it's just like, that's the kind of weirdness that is this book series. I was going to say, it seems almost kind of in theme with that um, Mrs. Peregrine's. Peregrines, is that it? Yeah. Uh, for peculiar children? A yeah. little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just something yeah, a bit like, off-center yes, to it, but yeah. you're still, like, looking at it going, like, I get it's it. More, I don't know why I get it, but I get it. It's more wacky <laughs> yeah. yeah, those series. Like, that, and it's for younger kids. Uh-huh. That um, would be a good Netflix, maybe. Although, like, I'll watch it. Like, <laughs> I have to say, there was an adaptation of that series. There was a cartoon series on, I think it was the early 2000s on either... Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon or somewhere. I want a movie. I want a, <laughs> I want like a movie per book. Fair enough. What about you? Um. Well, I didn't. I don't think I answered what my favorite adaptation was. Oh. Mm. Um. But it's probably um, the film adaptation of um, the Last Unicorn by Peter S. Beagle. Oh, interesting. Which he actually also wrote the screenplay for the movie. So I don't know if that. Um is, you know, explains... Well, I guess it could explain why I thought it was a good adaptation, because the author wrote both. Oh, see, that falls under the... the book, I didn't book, know the it was a novel, or a book, or... Was it a book? Oh, novel, yes. Short story? Yeah. It was, it was a book, um, a fantasy novel, published, I think, in the late 60s, um, and then they made the animated adaptation in the early 80s by... It was Rankin-Bass again. Yeah. <laughs> um, who, you know, they did The Hobbit, and they did a lot of those... Um, Christmas specials mm-hmm. from back in the day, um, but it was it was rated G, so it was a kids movie. If you go back and watch it now, though, there are a lot of things in there that would not be in a G rated movie today. It's a hard G. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they probably didn't have PG thirteen at the time. No, no they didn't. Yeah, yeah, it it would at least be a PG by today's standards. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they say, you know, hell and, and damn. <gasps> I know. And, Is it the uh, one where they all get turned into wooden 
Blocks. No, that's no. a different movie. That's oh, is that Unico. That's Unico. All right. It's all the same to me. Um, <laughs> but you know they and it had a great voice cast. I had Mia Farrow and um, Alan Arkin, Angela Lansbury, Christopher Lee. Um, and, very... and in fact, Christopher Lee came in with a, co- a copy of the book um, when either when he auditioned or when he um, like maybe after he got the part and he you know, said to uh, Beagle and the other filmmakers, like, okay, these are the parts of the books you need to keep. (laughs) (laughs) These are the parts you cannot change. So that was Christopher Lee and you will do as I say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It does have, I think, is it, uh, I can't remember his name. Um, It does have some unfortunate parts of the film, like, um, like Mia Mia Farrow singing. That should not happen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it, it was just a really good. Um, I thought it was, you know, faithful to the book. But it, at the same time, it didn't feel just like a page for page. Mm-hmm. Um, like it didn't have like every last detail of the book. But it was um, so it was still different enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As I trail off, like yeah. no, it's good. You so then, see. answering the the other question, the other question. like what. Because you you work uh, you read a lot you you, you work mm-hmm. in a library what book that hasn't been adapted yet or has been adapted badly would you like, <laughs> uh, to to see uh, Let's again see. if you um, had that magic power I honestly would like to see them try maybe the his dark materials books again the the golden compass golden compass mm-hmm. okay yeah by All Philip right. Pullman because that that movie was was ghastly. A bad sword <laughs> is his armor. <laughs> That's all I remember. Because <laughs> they clearly, you know, made that movie with the expectation, like, this is going to be another Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And it, no, it wasn't. No. <laughs> I, and, it would, and it's it, such an intelligent yeah. series. Yeah, it came um, out at the same time as, like, all those movies trying to find the next Harry Potter. And that's the, that was, I think that was the problem with that. And, I don't know. I, 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 I like books... I, well, movies that they want to cater to like everybody, and so then they change the the, the, the book itself, uh, and it, to try to and it's like no, this book is very. Some of these books are specific for these demographics, and that's what made them so great. Uh, and if you try to uh, change it to so that it's a uh, palatable for everybody, and, and then it's not going to be a, a good thing to, to consume, I guess. So. Well, talk about one of the uh, probably one of the most most often adapted authors that came up in my research I don't know if there's any fans of, of Stephen King yeah among that's the a whole podcast yeah <laughs> yeah he's got like 40 some odd uh, adaptations between mm-hmm. movies and well and it's one of these weird things he's constantly adapted and then it seems like more often than not those films are kind of trashed a lot of it was uh, in the the, uh, the late '80s, early '90s when he was uh, cocaine fueled, and uh, <laughs> Stephen King's uh, weeping right now. Yeah, but, uh, signed yeah. off on anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even like uh, Maximum Overdrive, I think he directed <laughs> and uh, starred in, and uh, yeah, it's it. They can be really bad, but they can also be very, very good. Um, First one that came to mind, as far as barely good, like I, it almost and it's surprising I forgot he wrote Shawshank Redemption. 
Yeah, yeah and that was yeah. a short story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah, and then, adapted into you know phenomenal film. Yeah, or Stand by Me, one of my favorites. Yeah, you know, no, that's yeah. another good point. Although yeah. at the time, Shawshank did not do well. That was no. a bomb at the time. Really, was it? Yeah. It's one of those movies that everybody just everybody has sort of seen that movie. Everybody I know loves that movie, but at the time nobody went to go see it. It kind of got it like a second life later. Home video, yeah. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah, it's like the cult uh, kind of pushing the. But it's not even a movie you would associate as a cult movie. You look at it as a great classic it movie. Started. Yeah, right. But it's grassroots, kind of like everybody. Exactly. Like, yeah, and then you start having all the uh, parodies of right. that. Yeah. The voiceover, and I think that's oh, kind yeah. of what drives it. And then TNT had needing to put something on their <laughs> <laughs> there <you go. laughs> their channel. Um, yeah. And then you know, uh, speaking of like a classic movie, I though I know Matt doesn't have um, you kind of have mixed feelings about it. Um, the Shining. Yeah, I don't really care for The Shining. Mm-hmm. Neither, Neither does Stephen King. King so. No, he did not. <laughs> we have that in common. That's about it. <laughs> I like the Shining ad- adaptation. Uh, it was okay, um, but for the most part, it, it's it's a very long, yeah. uh, boring movie. Yeah, for the most part, there are scary scenes in it. No, uh, but yeah. Um, the best part of The Shining is when they put it in Ready Player One. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part of Ready Player One. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, don't even start on that one, but uh, that uh, adaptation. Yeah. And then the the Dark Tower series uh, that 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 was a complete disappointment uh. for me. The, the I mean the whole series itself. I, I read that uh, religiously, and I waited for the the next books to come out. And you you read all. Of, I I really read a lot of the the, the ancillary stories that kind of fed into the Dark Tower series. So I'm a big fan of that. And then when it comes out. And it's a giant turd. Uh, the <laughs> studios got it so mangled. It, it's very disappointing. But it's like, and we went and saw that together. And yeah. I, I really wanted to see, you know, hear your opinion from, you know, not reading the story. You're like, I don't know what the hell this is going <laughs> right. on. Half it was the time. just a collection of scenes, and you yeah. desperately were trying to like that movie. I tried. I tried. <laughs> I tried. That's I think it's time was kind of like you after Batman v Superman. I was trying to like <laughs> this movie. Yeah, no. You, you, you come well, down, you process it, and you realize, nope, wasn't good at all. You but, have um, so many elements in that movie. You got Idris Elba. You yeah. have Matthew McConaughey, great actors, and they do phenomenal acting in that movie. Yeah, yeah they do. And the the action sequences in that movie are, are, are quite great. It's just that the whole thing is just, just a doesn't work. Pushed together, smushed story, and you're just like oh, parts are greater what? than the whole. Yeah. Oh. Although I, w- I was talking to my friend Tommy, who's also a huge uh, Stephen King fan and, and loves that book series too, and he was pointing out that he doesn't think it's an adaptation. He thinks it's a continuation. It, it is a continuation. Stephen King oh, came mm-hmm. out and said that it's that it's because it's, it's something yeah. about how like you know um, Idris Elba's character is like always like repeating like the same like he's like in a time loop or something. <laughs> it's a like wheel that. of time kind of thing, and he's um, the only one who's yeah. aware of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so he's saying how like this is. It's after he's gone through the door or whatever it is, and like this, it's his next time through. Yeah, it's I'm like uh, that's actually kind of more interesting. I wish I knew that going in. <laughs> well, that's the thing; so they don't really explain that in the movie. They no. just let the movie speak for itself. And but it doesn't. Of that, it doesn't. It doesn't speak to a wider audience. And again, we're going back to the the wider audience thing. But right. um, it, it it didn't speak to the demographic that read the book, and it didn't speak to the wider audience. It's for nobody. Uh, pick a lane, uh, and it did not. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm very 
angry at that because <laughs> there's so much potential there. I, it, it, it was supposed to be two movies and then a, a television series, which is kind of crazy uh, cocaine fueled uh, uh, thought. But I, I really thought that that would kind of could have worked. Um, I don't know, but eventually they bailed out halfway through. So, yeah, a recent adaptation that I'm feel like I'm a little bit in the minority on that I really enjoyed was uh, the John Carter film. Oh. From from, oh. from Edgar Grice Burroughs, John Carter, Carter, Carter Mars. on Mars yeah, yeah. Uh, series. And I thought it was a great, a fun film. The visuals are incredible. You know, I, I didn't, I, I know there was some drastic, uh, you know, uh, liberties taken to the, the characters or whatever. I didn't care. I, I thought it was fun. And I, I really, truly enjoyed it. And I've gone back and it got me to go back and look up some of the Edgar Rice Burroughs, John Carter stuff and read it and kind of see where it came from and what they changed and where it went. And, and I, I was fine with it. And I, I think it took a lot of heat because everyone said, oh, it was so derivative of everything else. And I'm thinking, no, no it's so, <laughs> it, it yeah. came first. Yeah. When did, when did he write those? Like, uh, I don't have the dates in front of me. I could look it up real quick, I guess. If I, like, I, I just general, uh, as far as the, that movie's concerned, I, I hadn't read uh, the book or book series beforehand. Uh, I just couldn't get over the actor because it was kind of like uh, Friday Night Lights in space. Uh, <laughs> um, although I thought he did okay. I just I kept, uh, I because I was a big fan of the, the Friday Night series, I just kept thinking of him. In space, and I couldn't get, I couldn't separate the two. Uh, and that was the only problem I had with the the, the actual movie. I just so. remember early nineteen hundreds. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah, so it was you you know probably among the first you know, sort of sci-fi in space. Yeah, you know. sure. That's what I mean. Where everything, everyone that they claimed that oh, it was derivative of Star Wars, it was derivative of you know this series or that series. I'm like, Nick no, they're first, all derivative it? of Edgar Rice Burroughs. Isn't right? it just Connecticut Yankee in space, though? I mean, yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's just Mark Twain. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's derivative of Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember when the trailers and things came out for John Carter. I just I felt like Disney was really like. Just pushing it down your throat. Mm. Um, and, what? Uh, no. But Disney? I just—I no. I, I had never heard of the John Carter, you know, of Mars books before. I, you know, I thought Edgar Rice Burroughs. Like I know him. He did Tarzan. Tarzan. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And so I just saw, you know, these commercials for John Carter because they didn't have anything about Mars in the title. It was just John Carter. And I saw them the commercials and I thought why should I care about their, this <laughs> their, their, their marketing department couldn't get it out of their own couldn't get out of their own way on that film <laughs> you're right they marketed it really heavily and then they decided okay we don't want to call it John Carter Mars because then people think it's too geeky and they won't go and they they don't want to call it you know Princess of Mars because then the, the boys won't want to go see it and <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculous and so yeah it just comes up with John Carter you know the most you know, mundane like, title. Like John Carter, film. CPA. Like, yeah. what, what is this? <laughs> now I'm thinking of like a mashup between John Wick and John Carter. <laughs> <laughs> so Keanu Reeves goes to space. <laughs> I'd be down with that. I'd watch so that movie. That. They can do that in the next Doing heads perfect, Some, perfectly placed headshots in space. Someone kills his uh, Martian dog. And yeah. Like, yeah. 
Do you guys see the, the the new trailer for Artemis Hotel or whatever it is? No. The, the, and it kind of looks like it's like uh, part of the John Wick world where... Uh, no? No. Nope. No? Okay. okay. But on. I do hear they are working on that. They want to do a, a series based on the Continental. Well, there's a new movie coming out where they're like, uh, they have a hotel and Jodie Foster is like... Uh, not a hotel, hospital. Uh, Jodie Foster has this hospital and the, the thieves come to the hospital and... Yeah, there's rules that thieves come to the hospital. You can't shoot each other. It's basically like the hotel, but yeah. a hospital. <laughs> so, uh. there's an author that I've I've read some of his stuff and can't get my head around it. And I'm so thankful that someone else did and adapted it. Uh, Philip K. Dick. Ah. Yeah. Who uh, wrote Do Andor's Dream of Electric Sheep, mm. uh, which got adapted into Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Yep. Uh, we can remember it for you wholesale, which was adapted into Total Recall. Uh, he also wrote uh, Man in the High Castle and uh, Scanner Darkly, all have been uh, adapted. The adaptations are much more palatable than the books, <laughs> as far as I've been able to tell. Uh, has anybody else read any of them as stuff to comment? I tried. I, mm-hmm. It's not a easy sci-fi read. No, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, see, that's what I mean. And so, But can you sit down and watch Total Recall? And can you sit down and watch Blade Runner? I yeah. Yes. And wasn't a, wasn't a scanner darkly? Wasn't that not animated? But it was yeah. rotoscope. It was rotoscope. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Yeah. Keanu Reeves and I can't remember who else. Winona Ryder. Maybe. Maybe in that. No, not sure. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. It's been a long time. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'm bringing up all the winners. All right. <laughs> no, but in Blade Runner, you know, that's a that's cons- that's a classic. Inspired now. like every sci-fi movie since. And, in a yeah, way. that's true. And then, I'm mad. I know you saw the new one. New one was really good. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with that movie. One of the uh, movies that, uh, or books that I really like to see made into a movie is uh, anything Brandon Sanderson for the most part. Mm. But like the Mistborn series, Mistborn. Um, Brandon Sanderson has does a really good job taking like magic. Uh, and turning out, you know, sideways and creating new ways of uh, creating kind of magic series. And the Mistborn is a, is a kind of a, a journey, a hero's journey, uh, a feminine hero's journey uh, throughout. Um, and it, it's uh, kind of like you ingest uh, uh, metal to give you like certain powers. So depending on the metal you ingest, gives you like a push power where you can push on things. Or if you ingest another power, uh, another metal, you can pull on things. Um, and a Mistborn is somebody that can take all the metals and uh, and do all of the different powers. And uh, it's kind of a, a great book, and I think it would be fun to adapt that, I think. Um, I'd lo- love to see that. There's a series of books um, I really enjoyed. Certainly the first book. The second book, it was okay, but it still would make a really kind of a, a neat film. Uh, Kim Newman's Anno Dracula. Ever heard Not of that? Familiar with nope. that. No. no. Unfortunately, I think it's kind of maybe, you know, the whole vampire thing has been and gone. You have to kind of maybe wait for the next cycle to come around, you know, because <laughs> uh, I think everyone's a little tired of vampires. But the, the, the premise of the first Anno Dracula was sort of like a pseudo sequel to Dracula, but an alternate reality where Dracula wins. Hmm. He ends up surviving, he ends up killing um, uh, Harker and um, Van Helsing. Okay, and he actually ends up. He goes to England, or I guess he's actually already in England. But goes back to England, I guess, because I think at the end of Dracula, they're back in Carpathia or wherever they are, Transylvania, where wherever the book sets it. He gets back to England. He actually uh, usurps the throne. 
he nice. takes on the queen. I want to see this he, now. He, he, he essentially cool. becomes the, the the king of England, and it's this alternate reality where now vampirism is a known thing. People are vampires. It's like the new the new True thing blood. to do. Maybe it's a little bit like True Blood, <laughs> but in England. But in England, yes. yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it's now popular to be to be turned, and there's different types of vampires depending on who turns you. And uh, there's obviously the rivalry between the different types. Yeah, different types. Just you know, sort of like oh them, you know. It's kind of like our world now. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it 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 created this really neat world that I really enjoyed, and then it brings in sort of like a little spy thriller because it brings in this sort of a secret organization that's trying to you know reclaim the throne and. It made this really neat world, and mm-hmm. I would love to have. I'd love to see that kind of uh, put on the film of some kind or in a, in a series form. Well, I, I don't think vampires actually ever go out of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that the, they're trying to uh, uh, readapt the Anne Rice novels. Although I think I heard Brian Fuller has dropped out of uh, show running that, uh-huh. um, so I, I don't know if that's going to be in limbo anymore or not. Um, but yeah, I don't think they ever go out of fashion. Hmm. I think that sounds like a fun kind of yeah. story. Yeah, it's it, really cool because it, it, it is a period piece because it takes place. The first book takes place uh, right before World War One, mm. and then I think the second book we're knee deep in World War One. So you got World War One being fought with people and vampires, and you know the the Third Reich is using you know, like super vampires as their uh, the, the, their air force, and no one can defeat them and. I, so this is what you should do. Is you should go pitch that to like Showtime because I feel like that's a, a, a series and a not series, a, not, not a film. film. Yeah. yeah, because it's just there's a lot there that you can flush out. Yeah. Uh, whereas in a movie, it, it, you'd probably not have the, all of the things that you'd like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you'd have to eliminate or cram in like there's a romance between a human and a uh, and a vampire. And you'd have to cram it in and, and, and force the relationship. Whereas in the novel, you have time for it to develop because they work together and they experience things together. It makes sense mm-hmm. in, in the end. And you'd have to really just, oh, wow, you're pretty. Want a date? <laughs> Isn't that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so Showtime, because HBO already has the, had their series of like that. And I, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Although that sounds very, it sounds a little bit like this other series um, by um, Gail Carriger. I'm not sure if I'm saying her name correctly. I say all the names wrong. <laughs> I, it's okay. Um, she has a series called The Parasol Protectorate, and it takes place in an alternate Victorian England. Um, and it's a and it's a society where where vampires and werewolves are just integrated in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main character. Um, um, her name is uh, Alexia, and um, she um, doesn't have a soul. <laughs> and um, she, because of that, she can um, battle or um, and even kill like vampires and werewolves if need be. Mm, um, okay. But then she also gets in a romance with a, a lord who's a werewolf, and See, that sounds uh, kind of like underworld. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, that was a really bad description of that series. Cause, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's much but It's a great description of Underworld. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the alternate uh, realities, I mean, the Man in the High Castle is a uh, mm-hmm. good uh, 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 
alternate realities. I like those. Orson Scott Card. Orson Scott Scott Card. That's a hard name for me yep. to say. Apparently, he had a good one. Uh, I think it's the Alvin uh, Maker series. That'd be kind of fun. The American History, uh, different versions of that. Um, yeah, I like those kinds of uh, adaptations. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a book series that you know has been adapted a lot, but the one I want to talk about is this um, graphic novel that only came out a few years ago. I'd really like to read it. Um, the book series being Sherlock Holmes, and this was a graphic novel that came out. Um, it's the dawn of World War One. Sherlock Holmes has been dead for twenty years, mm-hmm. and it's all about James Moriarty feeling lost. His great rival's gone. It doesn't. I don't know if it says if he ever won or if Holmes just died. But it's this, this whole series called Moriarty. What's uh, the I think so. Um, it is called yeah Moriarty. Mm-hmm. So I remember hearing about it, like the the author giving an interview, and I was like, I really like to check that out. But yeah, if that got and adapted, if it's that, the same one, I, I've actually interviewed the author. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, it was quite a few years ago, but I actually interviewed the author uh, and and Daniel Corey. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. If you nice. dig around, if you dig back through the inter- interview archive, there's a uh, there's a Skype interview with uh, Daniel Corey. I will have to go look that, that up. Yeah, because yeah, remember hearing it was right it. before Moriarty was. It was either just before or right uh, right as the first book was being published. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's when I heard his interview. I caught it on like uh, XM Radio or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, this sounds really cool, yeah. <laughs> and I would like to read it. But I think that would also make for a really good like movie or something too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be an interesting, especially. I mean, Sherlock Holmes is rather popular right now. Yeah, uh, it'd be neat to see sort of like this alternate take. Yeah, uh, on, on it. Yeah, and it's in the public domain. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. you can do so anybody you want. can. <laughs> but probably that adaptation yeah. probably isn't. No. No. No, it wouldn't be. Uh, Matt, I remember you saying that you really liked the um, Where the Wild Things Are movie. Yeah, I thought that was a really good I never adaptation. Saw which, film. Which I never saw it. It's interesting because that's a, you know, based on a picture book. Right, mm-hmm. which there's you like know. nothing to work with there except like the look and a little bit of the tone. But again, you can build so much around it. But I like it because like when the book came out, it was considered controversial and it was considered scary and it, that's not a children's book. Look at them. They have claws. They have teeth. They're chasing. They're going to eat a little boy. Like, what is this? And the movie kind of did the same thing. Like, there is a part in that movie where I legit got worried the kid was going to die and get eaten. <laughs> and I, like, remember looking at her. We're in the theater. I'm like, are we about to see a kid get murdered on screen in this kid's movie? And it, it plays with that same idea of, like, your imagination and it's your place to go and escape and even if things are scary, it's okay to explore that. It's one of those interesting children's books that it, it was when I became you know a father and I had you know, we had these children's books like that around and I was reading them and after I read it I'm thinking that's actually awful. Yeah. Because <laughs> in the end it's like oh this kid is really mean, he's bad, he's misbehaved, he's grounded to his room, he goes and has this daydream adventure and then when he comes back to his room uh, his mom gave him food anyway. Like, wait a minute. Where's the moral here? Right. <laughs> he just gets to go off and do whatever the hell he wants and come back and it's all, it's okay. Child services. We're going to called if he didn't get food. So I feel the same way about that damn uh, The Giving Tree. <laughs> awful story. I do not awful. like that story. It it's an awful not... story. Just take, just take, just take, just take. That's fine. That's the moral of that story. It's America's uh, dream. <laughs> it's it's Especially yeah. since the tree is frequently you know is seen as female and the fact that it's this boy who grows up into a man and just keeps mm. taking that that doesn't 
really no, sit it's, well. It's, it's, it's an awful story. But in the sorry, Shel Silverstein. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but uh, where the wild things are kind of addresses that idea of being terrible and all of that. Like he starts to learn about his all through, like because they don't answer. Did he? Because he actually gets in a boat and sails off to this world, and then he has to sail back. Mm-hmm. He runs away. He doesn't go to his room. He runs out of the house and right. does this. So you start to wonder, like, did he imagine it all? Did he? Go? It's kind of that like Wizard of Oz thing. Like, did it really happen or didn't it? Mm. And so it, it, you see him deal with the whole concept of, like, you have to be accountable for the things you say and do. So they, they put in the moral where yeah. the book didn't have any at all. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, there are moments where you get worried, like, I think this kid's about to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's some... Shel Silverstein um, is an author that his books get kind of taken. To, like, oh, it's a great show. I don't think he ever set out to write any kind of children. He, he writes whatever he wanted to write, and some people took his stuff and went, oh, no, it's a children's book. And he's like, mm, okay. And the, the trouble with that is that he actually did Just give me write, the check. He did write more adult stuff um, mm-hmm. that is more that is definitely for adults. Like, there's no gray area. Right. But then, you know, who knows? It might end up in, like, a children's section anyway, because they'll just see, oh, it's Shel Silverstein, uh-huh. but it's, this isn't Well, no, I'm, after seeing the, the, these little short stories, like the, the, the Giving Tree and whatever, it's like, I think he was writing some sort of, he was trying to write something <laughs> and write and make this message and, and whatever, and someone went, oh, it's for a kid? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and if actually, if you, if you read or see Shel Silverstein interviewed, that's exactly the attitude I think he'd have. You're yeah. like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Good conversation. Yeah. Anybody have anything else they want to bring up before we close this out? Mm, do I have anything? Uh, just that um, you know, it'll be you know interesting to see you know you know it'll be interesting to see what comes out in the future mm-hmm. of like you know for adaptations. Well, it'll be interesting to see because right now, you know, a book and an adaptation on film is less than a year, it seems, right now. Yeah. If it's popular, boom, it's going to be a movie. we got to do it right now. Yeah, exactly. And And so it'll it'll be interesting to see what hasn't been done that sort of finds its way, floats its way to the top now that all all this... The YA stuff that was really popular. Everyone trying to find the next Harry Potter. Everyone trying to find the next Hunger Games. Or Twilight. Or, or Twilight. Um, yeah. I have right here. I like the movie. It is not a good movie by any means. Um, it's called Beautiful Creatures. You still bought the Blu-ray. I still bought the Blu-ray. <laughs> it is based on a YA book. Um, uh, a series. But the first book in the series is Beautiful Creatures. And uh, it's not good. But it has some great <laughs> acting by... Um, by Jeremy Irons, who just chews the scenery. Sure. Like, he gets out a knife and fork and just starts <laughs> chewing the scenery. And it stars um, Alden Ehrenreich, who is now better known as the young Han Solo. Oh. So if you want to see him in his, like, first big film role. Beautiful uh, Creatures, is it? You don't you want know. to. <laughs> uh, it also has uh, Emma Thompson and Viola Davis, um, who they're, they're pretty they're good. They're great, yeah. Yeah. Emma Thompson's great. I, I, I'm just thinking of, like, Jeremy Irons, though. It just... It, I don't know. I feel like Jeremy Irons is, like, the same character, like, in all of his films. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just Jeremy Irons being Jeremy Irons. It's like... Or Chris Walken being Chris Walken. Like, they, they just are that that character. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if he... 
<laughs> I like him, but he, he just seems like he's always the same. Same uh, you know, scar. He was just the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but beautiful creatures. That was clearly um, trying to cash in on the Twilight because um, it's a paranormal, you know, romance series. So I had to go and double check real quick to see if the Jeremy Irons was indeed who I thought it was. Yep, yep. He was the <laughs> Uber Morlock in the Time Machine adaptation. Yep. The, the 2002. Yep. Yeah, was he the same character as he, yes. as he was in the Man he's, in the Iron he's Mask? Jeremy, and the, he's yeah, Jeremy Irons. Yeah. 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 So he's the good guy or the bad guy. He's yeah, the but he's, he's got that resonance in his voice. Yeah. And that's what. Really that's all he needs. That's <laughs> all he needs. And it's just. And it, don't, don't get me wrong, I, I really like him. It's just, it's just he's the same person. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah it's, it's Jeremy Irons as right. <laughs> somebody. You know, yep. it's a, you, you don't see him disappear into. Um, kind of bring it back to Gary Oldman. You don't right. see him disappearing into roles. No. Mm-hmm. You basically, you're watching Jeremy Irons play that character. And, right. Yeah. Um, but oh, one other book I had written down that a lot of people forget was a book was The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. I nev- never Definitive never read version. it. Yeah. yeah. And that Definitive version is the film. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who it's knows the Mel Brooks? I mean, that's. Is it Malpro? No, 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 no. I'm dumb. You can yeah. <laughs> edit that part out. Absolutely <laughs> not. Nope, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> it was Rob Reiner. We'll do it on Rob Reiner. Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, yeah. Reiner. Okay. Yeah. No, there would have been more, uh, more, more, more dick jokes if it yeah. was yeah. more Malpro. <laughs> <jokes. laughs> yeah. yeah. Robin Hood men in tights, maybe. Though. I made yeah. this sword. It's <laughs> a dildo. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I think we're going to close this out. This ended up being a pretty long discussion, which I kind of expected. You know, honestly, uh, one more voice in here, and we'd probably still be talking and, and going on even longer. So, I'm I'm sorry that Chad didn't get a chance to uh, to join us. Well, you know what? I'll reach out to him. I'll just give him a couple of questions that we pose to each other and see if he wants to do an audio clip. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, either an audio clip or, or type it out in yeah. white and just let us know. Oh, oh my gosh! Before we before we leave, I forgot there was uh, there was the emails we had one that. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Let me um, dial it up real quick here. Daniel Sample sent this in, and we read a portion of his email last time, and then we uh, we're going to save the uh, the other portion for this episode. So here we are. So, from Daniel Sample, his email continues, as far as book adaptations, he said, F. Paul Wilson's The Keep was and is and is one of my favorite books, even though I haven't reread it since 81 when it was published. Nazis and vampires during the Second World War, what could be better? Now, I've actually seen, the, I watched the film The Keep, but it was a long time ago. I'd have to go back and revisit that. The movie The Keep was released in 83, and I didn't hear about it until I noticed it was on cable a few years later in the days of old uh, On TV and View. On TV and View. I don't know what that means. Paper? Yeah. (laughs) It was dreadful and hard to watch, and what annoyed me most was they cut out a major plot point dealing with a Jewish historian brought in to assist, reluctantly of course, and the vampire caused him to doubt his faith. Seeing the movie a couple of years ago, I was able to enjoy it much more for what it was, and now I would like to see a good release on Blu-ray. All right, the keep something. I don't know anything about that movie yeah. or that book. Uh, I only know it because it was on the shelf when I was working at the video store, and it was like, all right, let me check this out. And so I, I watched it the one time, and I haven't seen it since. I don't, I don't remember much about it. 
The next one is The Neighbors, a 1980 novel by Thomas Berger. It starts out normally enough, but Earl Keese is an unreliable narrator, and you don't know what's real and what's not. It's a fun read. Okay, interesting. The movie The Neighbors is one of my favorite movies, and I'd say one of my uh, Desert Island movies. A lot of people don't like it, but for me it hits everything just right. Starred John Belushi, his last film, and Dan Aykroyd. From what I heard, they made the set difficult by switching roles, though I did read that that was the director's idea, and being high. With that <laughs> said, the movie is surprisingly faithful to the novel. So can't wait, y'all, wait, can't wait to hear y'all's next show, Dan Sample. So there you go. Thank you very much for writing that in, Dan. That was uh, much appreciated. Neighbors, is that one? Did you, did you have you mentioned that one before, Ben? No, no. Okay, I was it's new to me. something else. All right. I did have another email from Floyd, but I think I'll wait until next time to record because it doesn't have anything to do with this one, and this episode's already gone pretty long. So we'll <laughs> welcome to the extended version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll hold off on that until uh, until we record next time. So that's going to do it. Uh, if anyone else wants to send any feedback or any comments on this episode or any others, you can send it to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. Join our Facebook group, like I said before. Uh, follow the links. And then uh, Twitter at timeshifterspod and at movies at the mat. Michael, Sarah, thank you very much for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. It was a great discussion. Oh, thank you. Thanks. You guys, are welcome. you guys are uh, welcome back anytime. Uh, we'll have to keep you posted on any future topics, and if there's anything you want to uh, jump in on, you know, just have to let us know. If you guys do a Columbo episode, I <laughs> we may have to. That, that came up last time. Matt right. and I was like, Ooh, maybe we'll have to do that. <laughs> so that's going to do it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.